You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Jennifer Ashley Tepper. And I am Joe Iconis. You are listening to the album podcast. And today we're going to be talking about I Was a Teenage Delinquent! Exclamation point. The song is a strange one in that it's not cut from a musical, but it did inspire a whole musical called Love and Hate Nation. On this episode, you get to hear all about the album version, which is actually the original version, and at its beautiful performances by Lauren Marcus and Molly Hager on the album. It's a, yeah, it's the girl group, musical theater, rock and roll song of your dreams, hopefully. Listen up. I was a teenage delinquent, exclamation point. As sung by Lauren Marcus and Molly Hager on the album. Yeah. Um, This song has a fascinating origin story because um, obviously a lot of people know this song from the musical Love and Hate Nation, Mm -hmm. in which it's heard in quite different form than it is on this album. But um, the first time it was sung was not in the context of the musical. Should we start there? Yeah. So... I Was a Teenage Delinquent is a song that I wrote totally as a standalone. I wrote it for a uh, concert at the Beachman in 2012. It was August of 2012. And um, it was the same concert that I premiered Party Hat <laughs> and, uh, and Slide Whistle. Those were the three brand new tunes that I wrote for that concert. And I might have actually premiered an early version of Jeff at that concert too, where I sang it myself. What do you think contributes to these concerts where, I mean, and we've talked about this on previous podcast episodes where it's like multiple song premieres. Like, do you feel like it's because you are, have like a break in your schedule? Do you feel like it's the opposite? And when you're really busy, you write a lot more of standalones. Is there any pattern? I think it's that. I think it's when I'm busy, when I'm busy, I'm, my brain is just firing in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think that it's like, you know, back in the day, I just had more time. And so, and so, you know, there is more of this kind of thing like five, 10 years ago than there is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's that. I think that when I'm like in it, when I'm, when I'm, you know, in rehearsal for a show, I'm just so like laser beam focused that I can access 
you know, uh, ideas and words and it, they're just the they're more sort of at my fingertips. I feel like I'm just like stimulated uh, constantly when I'm like mm-hmm. fully in a show. And I think that in the old days or not the old days, but like say 10 years ago, you know, because I found myself in rehearsal for like musicals a little bit less, the concerts were like, like, you know, my musicals, you know, like the concerts were, I was, you know, I was rehearsing them and thinking about them in, in the way that I think about, you know, Love and Hate Nation, the show, or Be More Chill, the show, or Hunter, the show. Uh, and so I think I was, you know, in the days leading up to those concerts, I was like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to write this, I want to write this, I want to write this. And, and I just kind of would. I mean, what I think is funny is that when I think about the types of songs that I've that I've written that have been sort of premiered together in clusters, I do think that it. You, I could, I can kind of tell a little bit where my brain was at when mm-hmm. I was writing those songs, especially in retrospect. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I was a teenage delinquent and party hat and and you know slide whistle. There's just like there's like an effervescence about those songs and and um, there are a lot about like doing things for people you love. And it's like when I think back on it, it's like that's when I was like getting back together with Lauren Marcus. And um, it just feels like, oh, I was like feeling hopeful or something during that time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it came out in those in those uh, tunes for sure. But um, well, I'm very excited to hear what you come up with while you're in rehearsal for the Hunter S. Thompson musical this year, because now I feel like you're going to have unexpectedly, but now we'll predict it. Like, you know, <laughs> this is a song I wrote for George Salazar as a man who's trapped on the subway while we were rehearsing <laughs> the show. During the day. Yeah, truly. Um, but it's it random is, it's, ideas. Yeah, it's so funny. But it's like, you know, as but it's just why, like, you know, I, I did a workshop of, of the Hunter show this past summer and I just wrote so much and that that ended up being a lot of script stuff, but like a lot of like musical stuff too. And it's like, I just can kind of like do it when there's no time. It's so weird. It's like, and it's exhausting, mm-hmm. but it's, 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 it's just, it just does something to the, the makeup of my brain. It's like, I can, I can just kind of create, uh, mm-hmm. create in a way that's just easier when I'm not yeah. like fully in, in rehearsal or, you know, fully in it. You know, I wrote it because I really wanted to write a classic girl group song or something in the style of classic girl groups. I, I love girl group music and um and I I I I wanted to write something that that sort of used the musical language of, of those songs. And then I I just had this idea of writing something that was like a song about about bad girls, you know, a song about about delinquents, about um, you know, I was like I'm, I, I love a lot of like classic girl gang movies like Switchblade mm-hmm. Sisters and uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill and um, a lot of these sort of like 50s and 60s movies where it was kind of like, you know, about like beware of, of of teenagers and especially beware of, you know, fast women. And when you have like fast women who are also teenagers, like, you know, the, the, that's how society's ruin will come about. And so I, I loved the idea of like writing something that kind of played with that idea. And then it just really quickly turned into like this, this love song between these two um, characters. And I, and I had the line, I fell in love in Juvie Hall kind of like in my brain for a long time. It was mm-hmm. one of those things that I had in a like open word doc on my computer uh, for, for months and months and months and months and months. 
And it was, I think I had the next line too. I definitely had, I fell in love in Juvie Hall. And then I think I had, um, uh, it didn't take much time at all, I think is what it, it, it mm-hmm. was. Um, and so I think that, I actually think that I sort of had that idea and I was thinking about it as a song between a, a guy and a, and, a, and a girl. And then it was kind of like, oh no, this is between two girls. That's what it should be. And I think that was the thing that kind of like clicked it in for me. And um, yeah, and so then I wrote it just to be this like straight up standalone. And I, I wrote it, um, specifically for my good friends, uh, Jenny Donahue and Rachel Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the ones who premiered it. And, um, and yeah, and it's, you know, a lot of people think that it, 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 a lot of people are confused by it because there's that spoken word section in the middle. And so it feels like it's from a musical because there's, you know, dialogue in it. But I was, you know, I put that in there because in a lot of the girl group songs, there is a spoken word section in those songs, mm-hmm. you know, like there, there's a, there's like a, you know, a, like a recitation component in those tunes. And so for me, it was like, oh, I think it'd be so hilarious if, you know, if there was just this, you know, just the spoken word, just a moment mm-hmm. where the main gal is just like speaking from the heart, which is what they did sometimes. And um, yeah, and I remember when we, when we rehearsed it, when Jenny, uh, who was really like just a wild character and just an awesome, awesome person and performer, uh, she, so she, Jenny's British. She uh, she started singing it with an American accent because uh, that's something that's very sort of typical in, in British musical theater. It, 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 people perform musical theater with American accents. It's just kind of like what you do. And I remember being like, oh, can you like, do you have to use a, a, a an American accent? to sing and and she was like oh no i just sort of am, am used to and it's like let's do it with the british accent and so like the first performance of the song which is on youtube jenny uh jenny does it in her british accent which i love mm-hmm. so much do you feel like um already loving the genres you talked about and the way that you do do you feel like you dug into kind of any of the girl group songs or the kind of like teen rebel movies while you were writing the song even just like a little bit in a way that made you inspired to write love and hate nation as a whole afterwards yeah yeah i mean i definitely did like you know just sort of like creating the two characters that i created just in the context of the song i was really pulling from like from you know girl gang archetypes right of like the like the main girl who is um you know who is like kind of awkward and you know has some stuff going on and um and um you know i I really love this movie reform school girls and there's like a couple of them like that where it's like they you know they have bug collections and they're like the weirdos and i always love in movies where it's like in, in places like you know juvie halls or like classic juvie halls it's like the you know the kids who are bad there they're like they're so much worse than any other kid so if you're like the bad kid in a juvie hall you're so bad and if you're the weird kid in a juvie hall you're so weird and so it's these extremes and so you know that's where the sort of main girl came from and then the her love interest um you know i wanted to do this 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 chick who was like really closed off and really super tough and just like the you know the coolest and and these sort of you know archetypes of like the 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 girl who's unsure of herself and then the girl who's super confident um those really sort of informed what then became the two lead characters of of love and hate nation susanna and sheila Mm mm-hmm 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This song also, a lot of your songs strike me as Steppenwolfian um, is a word I like to use. But <laughs> yeah. especially this song. I was talking about Steppenwolf the other day in reference to some of their amazing work that's come from there and is in New York this season. And it, it made me think of like our family and our kind of group of artists we work with, which it sometimes does. It's this song is performed by Lauren and Molly on the album. Yeah. Lauren Marcus, um, you know, played another role in love and hate nation and on the original cast album, you know, does not play mm-hmm. the character that sings this song plays another character. And, you know, Molly also sings like an incredible rendition of Sheila nail in concert. So they both have that, but it's also just such a, you know, Molly and Lauren famously saying this song after Rachel Lee and Jenny Donahue did in concert in their Halloween costumes as characters from Orange is the New Black, which also <laughs> yeah. lended, lends a new level to the song. It just, what I mean is just actors coming at songs in different years from different perspectives, playing mm-hmm. different roles in different productions, just the kind of collective nature of art that's highlighted by this song being sung by these two on the album. Um, yeah, it, it's very much emblematic of like what occurs throughout the album and throughout the family with our group of artists. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's something that I love. And it's like, I I write musicals I, and, and songs um, for actors to perform them. You know, any, anytime I'm writing something, I want to give an actor good material so they can interpret it and make it their own and really have something to sink their teeth into. And I, I think that... Um, you know, I don't know my level of, you know, artistic success or merit or whatever, but I, I know that I've, I've done a pretty good job with that. In my career, I've, I've written a lot of really good material for, for actors. And my hope is always that if I do that, multiple actors can take that material and interpret it. And I love, you know, in our group that, yeah, you can have, you know, uh, Will Rowland or Annie Golden or Betty Buckley or Molly Hager all singing the same song and hopefully there's enough there that that it can be a fully um uh, you know satisfying experience regardless of who is 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 singing it and um yeah I think it is kind of like Steppenwolfy in a way that I mm-hmm. in a way that I really really love and it's so funny because I'm so like obsessed with you know specific people and sometimes I'll write a song for a specific person and it's like, yeah, of course, this is the person who has to sing the song. But I just love so many actors that it's like, I also love hearing different people's interpretations of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I also something you made me think of that I love about this song is, um, you know, giving like such a happy ending, which this song is and which, you know, 
I guess, spoiler alert, but within Love and Hate Nation, you know, there's a relatively happy ending for a lot of the characters Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of addressing the honest ways that some of those folks would have experienced life at that time, but also not ruling out the fact that like the most dangerous one from, you know, Juvie Hall and like the most weird one, like bringing in this case, these two girls together to have this moment where they're like happily declaring that they're in love. It's such a joyful song. It's such a, Mm -hmm. just like a rock out, um, you know, making it so that not everyone who was in this kind of situation would have felt hopeless. Like it's a song with so much hope in it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that was part of it too, where it's like, I wanted it to feel like nothing but, you know, joy and celebration. And it's like, you know, and the, and the, you know, the song itself, it's like the, you know, I, I do think of the song as it's kind of its own separate thing. Um, but, you know, we get some clues into these characters' lives and, um, uh, you know, and she, the, the main girl, you know, mentions her suicidal scars. And so I, I wanted to be respectful of the reality of these characters' lives, but also treat it like the reality of their lives and not the a, a part of their lives and not the thing that defines them, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. and that's something that, that I, I certainly then tried to carry over in love and hate nation itself, where it's like, I think we're, you know, we've, we've, we've seen it. We've seen stories about young people who are in terrible places, who have terrible things happen to them and then do terrible things to themselves and others. And it's, and it's a valid story, of course, but I think I was just interested in in telling a story that felt hopeful and and felt mm-hmm. like yeah you can be in an awful place and and you can you can have experienced terrible terrible things but you also then can find the love of your life and live happily ever after and I I know that that's possible I mean that's these things do happen and so it's like if all of these other stories are valid why isn't that one valid and then mm-hmm. you know the more I've I've worked in this business and really like you know the more I've sort of met specifically be more chill fans and sort of saw how they responded to be more chill, you know, dealing with really heavy issues, but in a sort of light, fun, um, you know, silly way, the more I felt like, oh no, this is important to like, to offer up these stories where these marginalized characters are like, you know, happy at the end. And like this Mm -hmm. idea of like, you know, why do these people, you know, why is the, why do we have to see like, you know, marginalized people abused in order for them to like occupy the center of a story? (laughs) Why is it like, why can't, you know, you know, a person who's part of a marginalized population, just have a, just have a love song. Why can't they, you know, recognize um, or address the things in their lives that make their life the, the things in their lives that make their life hard, but also say like, but I I can also have fun. I can also laugh, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. I think that's stuff that's all at play um, in this, this song. And then to a greater extent in, in love and hate nation, the musical. Yeah. Talking about that, the song is like, again, an origin point for love and hate nation. Um, you know, you mentioned it was 2012 when this song premiered with Jenny Donahue and Rachel Lee. And yeah. then the first time love and hate nation was, you know, staged, by John Simpkins at Penn State um, was 2018. Six years, I guess, in comparison to a lot of musicals is not (laughs) as long, but it's still six years. So at what point during those six years um, did the Penn State Commission come about? At what point did you, you know, write the next material after this song for what became Love and Hate Nation? Yeah, so after I premiered the song, I, I really loved it. I was really proud of it. And I immediately was like, it would be so cool to do something else with this. Like, it would be so cool to live in this sonic world, to live in the world of these characters. Um, 
And so it was always kind of in the back of my mind. And it um, it was kind of in the back of my mind then to do something that was like a girl gang, something that was set in a GV hall. I couldn't quite get the story, but I knew I kind of wanted to do that. And then the Penn State Commission came around in, um, in 2016. And uh, John Simpkins basically said to me, you can write anything you want. You just have to have roles for all of the people who are in the senior class at Penn State because it was the first year of this of this musical theater commissioning program. And uh, and it, it was uh, I think it was like seven uh, women and one dude. And I because of that, I was like, you know what? This might be the time when I'm going to write my Juvie Hall musical. And um and that's that's really what did it. It was just kind of like I have to write a show for predominantly women, and this I think this is it. I think this is this is the show. This is the time. And then you know the thing that happened around that time was you know Trump was elected, and and so I kind of wanted to write something that or not kind of I did want to write something that addressed that and addressed America at that moment, but I didn't want to write anything that was like on the nose about it. And so it felt like oh this could be a really cool way to kind of address um, some of the things that are happening in the country right now without it actually being about that. And that's how it was, that's how I was born. And, you know, I, when I first started writing it, I never thought that I was a teenage delinquent would end up in the show. I, I really felt like I, because I was a teenage delinquent is, is a, as a song, it's a full experience. You know, it's the whole story is completed. She says, you know, I fell in love with this girl. I don't know if I should tell her. Then we hear from the, the girl. And I'm also in love with this girl, uh, but I never told her. And then they tell each other and then they kiss. And so it's like a full, you know, beginning, middle, end. The story's over. And so I knew, like, I, I couldn't actually put that song in the show because um, it, it tells the what I think will be the whole story of the show itself. Mm-hmm. Then, as I was writing Love and Hate Nation, and right before our first ever reading, I sort of got to this place where it was like, oh, they have to like tell, confess their love to each other. And then anything I was writing, it just felt like I'm actually just writing, I was a teenage delinquent. I'm just <laughs> writing, I'm like sort of like ripping off myself. And it's like, I said it best initially. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, I was a teenage delinquent. Now, now I call it something else. Now it's called I Fell in Love in Juvie Hall in Love and Hate Nation, that's the official title of it now. Um, and so it's this weird kind of like adaptation of I was a teenage delinquent. And I'm so, I because I, you know, because I wrote it and because I was a teenage delinquent was the impetus for the whole thing. I don't even know, I don't know if it's weird. I don't know if it feels right. It's it's just so strange. I'm so close to it, but it it feels like the, you know, as it exists in Love and Hate Nation, it feels like that's that's the way, that's the form the song wanted to take in the show and i kind of just let let my uh let my impulse guide me there and and so yeah it's like it feels like it's it feels like love and hate nation did a weird cover version of i was a teenage (laughs) delinquent and that is what is currently in the show yeah either because they're aware of the journey you just described with this song or not i feel like there are fans of yours who love a specific song and are like oh my god is there a whole musical about jeff or is there a whole musical about (laughs) kevin or um do you think and you don't have to say which song it is but do you think that this would ever inspire you in a future tense like do you think there's maybe any other song you've written where you'd go "Oh, i could expand that in some way i don't know you know it's it's um i will say this is the this is the only song I've written where I've ever felt compelled to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just in a really sort of, you know, organic way. I was like, hey, that this is the only one. Um, and, you know, but it it's hard to think about like stuff like Kevin, 
you know, Kevin specifically, that's the one that people ask me about the most. And I just like, I don't know. It's like, I think that I, I sort of like hanging with that character for six minutes in mm-hmm. the context of a song. Um, but I don't, I don't know what a full, I don't know what a full musical of that would, would, would even be, you know, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't call out to me. Ammonia is another one. Ammonia is mm-hmm. like, but I, I, Ammonia is one where I feel like it's a, it's an, it's a moment with this character. I'm really, I'm really interested in that character of the woman who sings Ammonia. And so maybe, and maybe that's a case of like, if it ended up in a, in a show, it might be the song that ends up in the show, but then the musical will be about something else. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. But this is this is the one that sort of immediately was like, oh, this is something bigger. And I, I don't, I haven't had that experience uh, again. But yeah. maybe I will. Who knows? As you described it about ammonia, it was like the only the songs in themselves are obviously you know they're complete pieces of work. And yeah. if you had them in a show that was about something else, they would just steal the show. People would be like, this musical about <laughs> this family is great, but I want to learn about the lady who just sang ammonia. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of self-defeating, but I guess you never know what the future holds. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Look out for Jeff the Musical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Anything else about I was a teenage delinquent exclamation point later became I fell in love in Juvie Hall? You know, I just want to shout out the gorgeous performances of Lauren Marcus and, and Molly Hager. Um, they're uh, they're just amazing and their voices are so different. Like they 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 kind of sound like they're from different planets, you know, just like Mm -hmm. the timbre of their voices and the, and their style of singing. But I think it, it works so, so beautifully for the song. You know, I think without even doing anything, they, they communicate that they're, these two characters are like worlds apart. um, Just, you know, by the way their voices sound. And I think it's like a testament. I hope it's a testament to um, the beauty of actors who have personality filled, voices who come to the table immediately with recognizable um strong opinionated voices there's nothing that sounds uh, generic about the voice of either lauren marcus or molly hager and uh and i love that so much and i love hearing them sing together because it feels that feels like what what life is you know it's like we're not all we're not all the same like we're different in so many ways and i like that you know their voices sound so uh so opposed but then i think they they hang together really nicely and the um the arrangement of the song this is one of my favorite charlie tracks it's just so humongous and you know in the in love and hate nation the orchestrations are are great but for love and hate nation we try to make it a little sort of grittier a little bit like harder and for the the sound of it i mean and for this it was kind of like okay let's really go full girl group and make it as sort of lush and uh, bombastic as all of those those Phil Spector arrangements were, and I, I think uh, I think we did a nice job. You said it all best. That's yeah. that's it. I was that's a teenage delinquent. Hey, thanks so much for listening or watching to my podcast. Uh, do me a favor and go to wherever you just listen to or watch this thing, and subscribe or like or give us a great rating or review, and then head to bpn.fm slash album to find out even more information about this podcast, more ways to watch, more ways to listen, and check out my album, Album. Thanks so much for hanging out. Album Podcast is executive produced by Liz Armstrong, produced by Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kim Garris, and the rest of the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Be sure to visit bpn.fm slash album for both audio and video versions of this podcast and to listen to album. I fell in love into-
it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.